0: Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Hopefully you have a Bible with you. You can turn to the book of Ephesians. We'll be there in just a moment. But before we get to Ephesians, I want to... uh start out with another passage of scripture this morning we're looking at being renewed and so second corinthians 4 16 puts this as a contrast between the inside and the outside and it says therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day so we're in the process of being renewed it's an ongoing process now From the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior, something new happened in your life. The scripture says you were dead in trespasses and sins. So uh, you had no spiritual life at all. And then you trusted Christ and now you're born into God's family. It's called the new birth. It's called uh, the spiritual birth. You trust Christ as Savior and then the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And then all your problems go away and you're on your way to heaven, right? Well, half right. You're on your way to heaven, but it doesn't make all your problems go away. See, one of the problems you have is wherever you go, there you go. Uh, we carry our problems with us. And some of us had a lot of baggage before we came to Christ. And God doesn't immediately take away all that baggage. But he changes us from the inside out. And so we start changing. I've shared before, I was a teenage alcoholic. I got saved. It took me about three years to get the victory over alcohol before I could... Genuinely, after I trusted Christ, I had a heart to follow him, but the body was a little slow in coming along for the ride. And, and uh, I, I've experienced that at different times in my life. When I became diabetic, it took about three years for me to get my blood sugar stable. And some people, it's just instantly. It wasn't, I'm a little slow. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know what? The, the, we're in the process of being renewed. And that's the most important thing. So off with the old, on with the renewed from Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to be reading some verses here. And, and uh, it's it's not just a change of clothes. I don't want you to look at this picture and say, oh, yeah, I take off my white coat or dark coat put on my white coat and uh, I'm transformed. Uh, no, it's not just a change of clothes. It's not just a change of rules. <clears throat> it's not even... Just a change of attitudes and actions. Uh, See, it's a a change of heart. It's a change of values. It's a change from the inside out. So the old goes away and the new comes and we're in the process of being renewed. Some of it changes right away, like as soon as you trust Christ, you're no longer uh, a child of Satan, you're a child of God, you're no longer on your way to hell, you're on your way to heaven, you're no longer uh, fearful of death. You may still fear death, but there's nothing to fear in death because uh, you know when you die, you go to heaven. So it's like a win-win, right? Your suffering here is over and you're with the Lord. So, so instantly that changes. But other things take some time to work it out. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It starts on the inside and then work it through your whole body so that you're following him. So last week we were at the earlier part in chapter 4 of Ephesians and, and we talked about the role of the pastor and the evangelist and the structure of the church and I think the message was titled Church 101 and today we're, we're jumping into verse 17. We're not ignoring what came before or what comes after but we're focusing on this passage today. Um, It would be impossible to teach through this whole book in one setting and even if I could talk that much you couldn't listen that much so uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 Paul says this I say therefore and Testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk now when he says Gentiles He's speaking of non-jewish people so if you're Jewish if you're Gentile there's Jews and there's Gentiles and he's basically saying at this point he said those who have not are not following Christ you don't walk the way people do who are not following Christ he's using Gentile as an outsider term and saying they're not in the faith they're not in the family so we're not going to walk like they do and then he describes some of what goes on in their heads. The end of verse 17, in the futility of their mind. It doesn't mean they're airheads, empty-headed. It just means they're focused on all the wrong things. Verse 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. Once you trust Christ, once you're in God's family, there's supposed to be a difference, a change in who you are and how you live. Verse 21, if indeed you have heard him and been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former contact, Conduct, sorry, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now we're going to read a little bit more in a moment but let's pause right there and I want you to get this, wow, okay, that's fine, okay. Um, <laughs> It was supposed to just be the beginning, but but uh, all right, so what we 're looking at here is uh, that there 's an old person and there 's a new person, and they 're both you, and there 's supposed to be a transition, so go ahead and jump down to the bottom of that list uh, there 's a lack of understanding you 're alienated from god you 're There's sexual and crude behavior, as the scripture uses the phrase lewd, and uh, greedy and corrupt and deceitful and lustful, not in the sense of only sexual, but lustful in the sense of wanting all the wrong things. There's diabetics who crave chocolate cake, and that's just as bad for you as some of the other lusts that you could have in your life. And so all of these, that's how you used to live. And if you look around in our culture, This old column, that's the way most people live. They're focused, they're obsessed with what they want, and they want it now, and they don't want to wait. And then on the renewed side, there's quite a transition, quite a contrast here. There's godly. He, he says, Godly, we'll, we'll begin to represent God. We'll begin to think godly thoughts and do what God wants us to do and, and righteous and holy. That, that's a completely different trend. Uh, if you look at these two, it's like, Wow, like you've got dark gray over here and you got bright white over here. You got, uh, you know, middle of the night, you got sunshine, uh, you got dry desert, and you got a beautiful spring. It, it, it's quite a transition that we have. Now, I want you to look at this list and see one side, the old side, that's supposed to be who you used to be. Okay, the renewed side, that's supposed to be who you are becoming. This is directional. This is intentional. You're moving this way. And now, I'm going to read a passage from Titus, and I want you to look on the screen and see the contrast that shows up in this passage in Ephesians and also in Titus. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 begins, For the grace of God... That brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. See, we, this big contrast, one of the biggest problems in the world today is not those sinners out there in the world. One of the biggest problems is those sinners here in the church. And if the people of God would act like the people of God and follow the path of God, then some other people might say, hey, I'd like to join that group. And churches are becoming less godly and more worldly all around the world that's happening. Now, this is not a surprise if you've read your Bible, because the Bible says there's going to come a great falling away. And that's going to happen before the Lord returns. And, but, but it's disheartening a little bit. And so here's the deal. I can't change the world. But I can change what's in here. And so I need to make sure that I'm trying to follow the Lord. And I need to make sure as much as I have influence in this assembly. That we're trying to follow the Lord and that's what you need to do work at it from the inside and then work at it in your area of influence some of you have way more influence than other people you have all kinds of connections with people and that's great use it wisely but God has not commissioned any single one of us to be the point person to turn the world around there's already been that appointment it's Jesus and so our job is to point people to the point person Jesus and so Uh, we see this transition between who we used to be and who we're becoming in those who walk apart from God and those who follow God. And there should be a clear distinction between the two. And in our culture, that distinction is being merged. They're, They're trying to make the world be comfortable in the church, and the church be more comfortable in the world. And the Lord said there's supposed to be a division, a separation. We're supposed to follow His plan and His pattern. So, all the rest of this uh, chapter, or this, there's another section here where He talks about old and new. And so, we're going to take this one verse at a time and just look at what it used to be, what you used to be, and what you should be. And so, Here's the deal. You may not be doing very well on that renewed side. So if you're not, you need to make some changes in your life. You don't need to beat yourself up for what you've done in the past, but you need to change the path you're on for where you're going in the future. So let's look at the, we'll do one verse at a time. We'll start in verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let, every, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So, you used to be frequently dishonest. I can honestly say that about every single one of you. You used to be frequently dishonest. How would I know that? Well, I'll tell you because I've watched Aiden and I've seen it. <laughs> I have not seen it in Aiden, I've only seen him be honest. But Aiden was a little boy. And you know what little kids do? (laughs) Little kids are not honest. Little kids make lots of excuses, and kids are naturally masters of guile. Uh, I've laughed many, many times over the years at one of our daughters, Kathy, said, hey, Courtney, have you finished making your bed? And Courtney said, not quite. And the way she said it, Kathy immediately walked to the bedroom and looked. She hadn't even started. You can't be done if you haven't started. But, but we have a tendency, and kids have that. And that's why toddlers have to be taught to tell the truth. Because it's natural for them to lie and deceive to stay out of trouble. And you and I used to be frequently dishonest. But now we're supposed to be consistently truthful. Consistently truthful. Uh, earlier in this chapter, chapter 4, verse 15, he says, speaking the truth in love. We're supposed to be consistently truthful. So one of the problems that we have in politics today is that truthful and consistent don't fit together in American politics, probably not anywhere in the world. They're constantly trying to change the storyline they're trying to alter perceptions instead of being truthful now someday there's going to be a world ruler who's going to be absolutely completely truthful his name is Jesus and he's going to rule and reign and we're going to follow and and appreciate him look at verse 26 be angry and do not sin do not let the Sun go down on your wrath so You were sinfully angry. Again, toddlers throw fits when they don't get their way. You're supposed to outgrow that, by the way, just (laughs) FYI. All right, and and now you can get angry without sinning. Tell me a time when Jesus was really angry with people when he was on the earth. The The money changers in the temple. What's another one? His disciples' lack of faith. Oh, you have little faith, he says, with an intensity, uh, because they weren't believing and trusting him. So Jesus was angry at what was going on, but he did not sin. See, anger in itself is not sin. Now, here's a rule. I, Some of you have been around. You know, I've struggled with anger management issues over the years. I was a great sergeant in the Marine Corps. Becoming a pastor was quite a stretch for me. But... Uh, but the, the deal with anger is I have every right and it's appropriate and necessary for me to be angry about what angers the heart of God. So child abuse, I should be angry. Um, other things, I should be angry, but I should not be angry when I don't get my way. Because that's acting exactly like Satan, not like Jesus. So you can be angry and then don't sin. Um, And then he says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I know a couple, they said, they decided they would never go to bed as long as they were mad at each other. And so one night, they didn't go to bed at all because they stayed mad all night long. And Kathy and I were talking about this, and I said, you know, I think we could do something better. Like, we came up with, we could call a truce. Like, we have not resolved this, but I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm gonna, we're going to resolve this. We'll work on this, but we need sleep tonight. So when he says, don't let the sun go down, I, don't just hang in there staying mad day after day. You have to get beyond it. But it doesn't mean you have to resolve everything before you can ever take a nap. The older you get the more you need naps so uh, that you'd never get anything resolved uh, look at verse 27 nor give place to the devil see you used to follow Satan's path you see a reference there on the screen Ephesians 2 and he made You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world According to the prince of the power of the air That's one of the descriptors of Satan or the devil in in the scripture the prince of the power of the air The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. And then it goes on to say, but God, who is rich in mercy, brought us to salvation. Praise the Lord for that. But see, you used to follow Satan's path. That was the norm. That was your default setting. And now you've grown in the Lord, now you've matured in the Lord, and now you don't want to follow that. Now you intentionally try to avoid his path. So uh, you're not just getting swept along. <clears throat> One of the strangest phenomenons in, in the world, all around the world, in all kinds of cultures, is the phenomena of, of riots. A group of people get together and certain things happen and all of a sudden people are behaving in ways that are totally not characteristic for those people. They're being swept up in, caught up in. And all kinds of horrible things have taken place in the world by groups of people getting caught up into this. And then sometimes they sit down with the people afterward and say, Why would you do that? And they'll say, I don't know. They they don't know. Well, they weren't resisting. They were just following and getting involved and and connecting, and so we need to make sure that we're not following Satan's path. That's what we used to do. That still is the default setting for this world, but that's not the default setting for believers. For believers, we're supposed to say, I'm gonna change the setting to follow the Lord, to listen to the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of man or Satan then in verse 28 there's a contrast between being a taker and being a giver in verse 28 he says um, let him who stole steal no longer but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give to him who has need so you were a taker you were stealing from people now there's a couple of different ways to steal Okay? One way is you take something that's not yours. You, you know it's not yours, you take it anyway. But there's another way to steal, and that's called purloining, and that's when you're paid to do a job and you don't do it. And so, kids, you really need to understand this. Some of you kids have jobs. Uh, some of you teenagers have jobs in your work. If you have a job, if somebody's paying you to do a job, The Bible says you have to do the job well. You have to put your heart into it. See, if somebody's going to pay you to do work, and then you're just doing as little as possible, just enough to get by, somebody called it the the Barry Simpson uh, philosophy of, of effort, Bart Simpson philosophy of effort. You're supposed to put your heart into it. You're supposed to represent God on the job because Jesus is your supervisor. He's the one who's evaluating you. So if you're, you're getting paid, say, 100 bucks to do a job, and you're only doing really about $70 worth of labor, you just stole $30 bucks from that person. So there's, there's ways you can steal that are not just taking something away. It's also getting paid for something you're not doing. When Kathy and I were newlyweds, we had a Ford Pinto. Oh, man. Fancy, fancy car, and uh, and uh, I put it in the shop to get the lube, oil, and tire rotation, and they charged me for the lube, oil, and tire rotation, and I paid for it, and then we went on because I was trying to take care of this this cool car that we had, you know, and then we moved from California to Arizona, and it was time, and I put it in the shop, and I said I need to get a lube, oil, and tire rotation, and they said. That thing's never been lubed. I said, I got it done in California twice. They said, the original manufacturer's thing's still on there. They charged me for it and never did it. Now, believers, we need to make sure we don't do anything like that. And instead of being takers, we need to be earning and sharing. We need to be known as givers. Givers will people take advantage of you? Yes. Is that okay with God? No. Is he going to hold them accountable? Yes. Do you need to? No. That's his business. You obey him, you let him take care of that other stuff. So um, we want to take care of things. We want to be Givers we want to help people verse 29. He says let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers? So uh, the description here your conversations used to be worse Worthless or destructive you were focused only on getting your point across you wanted to make sure people knew where you stood and you wanted to get it out there and 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 Now, your conversations are constructive. They're they're grace-filled. Now, you focus on how your words will affect the hearer. How your words will affect the hearer. So, you're actually not just communicating. You're also ministering at the same time. That's what we're supposed to be doing. To help and minister and make the world a better place because you're here, and you're not supposed to just fuss at people and harass people, and and you're supposed to be bringing people toward the Lord and encouraging them and helping them. And so uh, we don't we don't talk the way we used to talk. Um, Some people are harsh, and then they start following the Lord, and they should get less harsh. They should get sweeter. They should get nicer. In fact, if you're an old guy here, and you're getting grumpier, you got a heart problem, not just a mouth problem. You need to follow the Lord. Are there gonna be days you feel grumpy? Oh yeah. You live on Earth. Life's hard, but, but you can grow and mature. So so he's contrasting. Now, remember who wrote this? What was his name? Paul. Paul. Before he started getting called Paul, what was his name? Saul. And what was Saul known as? Nice guy, mean guy? (laughs) He was a mean guy who attacked people, who especially attacked the church. And Paul was all about right and wrong and harshness. and, And now he's all about love and caring and nurturing. How did that transition happen? It started when he trusted Christ it took him a few years to get to maturity, but it started when he trusted Christ. And so you can transition from who you used to be to who God wants you to be. Anybody can do it. Paul proved that to us. God proved that to us through the apostle Paul. Look at verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, do not grieve him. So. You used to grieve the Holy Spirit now, how do we do that? By, by ignoring his word, by not listening to it, not learning it, not following it, by making poor and unwise choices. And, and the, now you're partnering with the Holy Spirit. You're reading the scripture. You're listening to his leading. You're paying attention. You're doing the right thing. So you're no longer grieving him. You're now partnering with him. And then he said you were sealed by the Holy Spirit to the, the day of redemption. So the moment you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior... Uh, The New Testament teaches, it wasn't an Old Testament teaching, it's how God works in the New Testament, in the church, that the moment you receive Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. And so that's called being sealed by the Holy Spirit so that you are forever gods. You're in him, uh, he's in you, and when you die, the Holy Spirit will take you to be with the Father in heaven and you will worship the Son all together in heaven Uh, and then eventually the new heaven and the new earth so the holy spirit says you're mine he makes you his and what now human people we can seal things and then they break right i i remember uh, when my mom bought this new cool thing called a seal a meal Any of you older folks remember those? That's way before Ziploc bags, right? And so a seal-a-meal. You could take this, and it was a plastic pouch, and you'd seal one end of it, and then you'd pour liquid stuff in there, and then you'd seal the other end of it, and then on TV, they'd hold it upside down and shake it like crazy, and nothing spilled. When my mom tried that, it didn't quite work so well. She didn't get that bottom seal quite good enough, and spaghetti sauce went everywhere, and it was hysterical for us kids. But, uh, but, but when God seals, it's done. God doesn't say, well, you know, Gloria, you, you, you're, you're like that close. You, you're almost sealed. No, it's you're done. Paid in full by the blood of Christ. You're his forever. And that's how it works. And so we now are in him. And then in verse 31, he talks about how we used to be all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And now be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So you used to be angry and bitter and spiteful and unkind and judgmental and you held grudges. But now, now you're kind and tenderhearted and forgiving. That's why in the New Testament we find this young guy named John. And John is a tough guy. John is named, Jesus looks at John and calls him Son of Thunder. That's the character and behavior of the Apostle John. He was all righteousness and indignation and intensity. And then later we find him called John the Beloved. And and Paul was this guy who said, You disagree with me? You're going to pay to this guy who says, if I could, if God would allow it, I'd be willing to go to hell so you could be saved. you, You can't get a bigger transition than those two guys who they were to those two guys who they are in Christ. And that's supposed to be happening inside us. So when you are unkind, in any way, to anyone, for any reason, you dishonor God and you devalue the people around you. Mm. We're supposed to be the good guys. And what do I see happening sometimes in our world? I see Christians on television yelling and screaming and angry, it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to sin in your anger. Jesus could be angry and deal with things effectively, and so can we. And something should make us angry, but Christians should be the nice guys. It doesn't mean that we just stand there and let somebody slap us around or abuse us and we just ignore it, but it does mean that we take truth and love and we keep them together. We never separate and just focus on truth. Because that's not what God wants. So sometimes teenagers are unkind to other teenagers. I've seen older girls be kind of rude to younger girls. They're trying to separate, you know, and they're going to move over here so they don't have to stand around with those little kids. Well, that's not how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be pulling together. That dishonors God, it devalues the younger girls and it actually hurts yourself. Secondly, holding a grudge hurts you. Holding a grudge hurts you. Hurts you way more than it hurts somebody else. It's a direct violation of God's instruction for his kids to hold a grudge. Somebody said um, uh, having a grudge It's the only thing, when you nurse it, it gets worse. (laughs) All other health problems, you can nurse it and get better. But when you have a grudge, you nurse it, it gets worse. You are willfully sinning against God when you hold on to a grudge. Now, some of you have been deeply, deeply hurt. And when I use the word grudge, to you it feels like a little thing like a grudge just that that just means i was a little annoyed with somebody that this was extremely emotionally and or physically painful because i was abused i was harassed i suffered because of that person okay what god wants you to do is be able to show kindness and love It doesn't mean you trust the person. It doesn't mean you embrace them back into your heart and life. If they're a dangerous person, you need to get away from the dangerous person. But it it does mean we don't respond the way the world responds. We don't get some buddies with clubs to go teach that guy a lesson. Uh, We we, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in, in just a minute, okay? Unresolved conflict hurts the body of Christ just like unresolved illness hurts your physical body. So I told you last Sunday I wasn't feeling very well. Monday I woke up feeling even worse. I just, I went to the urgent care, got antibiotic and, and uh, steroids to try and chase all the stuff out of there and doing a lot better this week Uh, but you know if you have an infection and you leave it it just gets worse some of you've had open infections on your legs or arms and if you don't get it treated it just gets worse and worse and that's how unresolved conflict is in the body of christ we have to by the by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, we can let go of any hurt and any pain, and we can intentionally, openly, and honestly show love to anyone regardless of past hurts. We can get there. And and God even shows us a little bit how. Look at verse 32. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even what's that next word even as god in christ forgave you so kathy and i were up in phoenix at a thing with pastors and spouses i don't remember how we got invited but uh, but we enjoyed it we went up there and there was a speaker and and he spoke on this passage and he really challenged us and and uh, he said here's the deal when God looks at you and your sin, God says, your sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. So I forgive you. I will not hold that sin against you because Jesus covered it on the cross. And he said, that's how you have to treat other people. You say, their sin, however they hurt you, Jesus already paid the penalty for that on the cross, so I'm not going to hold it against them. And then he made this statement. He said, if you don't do that, then you're looking at Jesus on the cross, and you're saying, that's not good enough. They also owe me. And I was stunned. I'd never looked at it that way. See, God forgave me everything because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I can forgive anything from anyone because of what Jesus did on the cross for them. Forgiveness doesn't mean I'm going to blindly trust them, but it does mean that I'm not going to hold it against them. So I can bring it to the cross figuratively, and I can lay it down and say, Lord, I'm leaving this with you because I can't handle it and Jesus can Now, if that person never repents, then God will hold them accountable for that. But that's not my business. My business is to let it go. Now, it's really hard to do that when people hurt your family. And I know I'm a pastor, and I've been a pastor for more than half my life now. But I'm still a dad and I still got the marine genes that I had way back when, when somebody hurts my family, I have a very sinful thought that I have to overcome. And I have to get to the place where I can lay it down and say, God, I leave it with you because what Jesus did on the cross. Now, honest confession time, there's a situation I've had to deal with multiple times in the last bunch of years, and I've had to lay it down like dozens of times. Right? It's not like laid it down, <laughs> done. Doo, 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 doo. It, it doesn't. Ha- it keeps coming back. Why? Because we live in Satan's domain, and Satan keeps bringing it up. And our entire world system defaults to this satanic response instead of this spiritual response. And so I have to keep dealing with it. But the deal is, if I stop dealing with it, then I'm in serious trouble. We have to keep taking it back to the Lord. That's why I use the renewing idea, not just being renewed. Uh, The ladies' Bible study book that the ladies are going to be going through, it says... uh, Uh, The writer, I don't remember who wrote it or what part of the book, Kathy and I were talking about this. I've often said that if it were not for God's word, the will of God would rarely occur to me. When someone hurts me, my immediate instinct is not to forgive. Patience is not my first inclination. Before understanding Jesus' teaching on generosity, I loved spending money on myself. And then they also say, without seeking regular forgiveness from God, our relationship with him is hindered. And without giving it and receiving it amongst ourselves, we can lose our most precious gift, each other. We need to grow in this area. So when people look at you and people are looking at you, God wants them to see someone Who is, here's some things we've looked at this morning. Someone who's righteous, but not self-righteous. Someone who's holy, but not prudish. Someone who's truthful, but not arrogant. Somebody who's loving, but still truthful. And when when they look at you, God wants them to see somebody who's honorable and generous and gracious and kind. And so much more. Look at chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering, I'm sorry, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. All right, here's what God wants. He wants them to see in you an accurate reflection of his heart. Verse one. And his son, verse two. That's what God wants people to see when they look at us. And, and we can do it. Because he said that the standard for your behavior is not doing better than the non-believers. That's where we started in verse 17. Don't walk like the Gentiles walk. It's not even be better than you used to be. That's verses 22 through 32. You old man, new man. No, the standard is you're supposed to imitate God and then model your behavior after Jesus Christ. And show his love and his generosity toward people who deserve... Punishment or censure but instead they receive mercy and grace at his hand and at yours that's who we're supposed to be the salt and light of the earth the present incarnation of Jesus God in the flesh through the Holy Spirit living in us and working out through us that's who we're supposed to be and we can make progress. We're not gonna get it perfect in this life, but we can make progress. See, you are a work in process, right? So, so let's get to work. Off with the old, on with the renewed. That's what God wants to see in our lives. So right now, I'd like to just bow your heads, close your eyes, just look inside yourself. Don't focus on anybody else. Don't look around. And I just just want you to talk to God and ask yourself how he thinks you're doing representing him on this earth. Just take a moment to do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing love and grace. We thank you that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. We thank you that by believing and trusting in him, we can be saved forever, sealed by the Holy Spirit, guaranteed a place in heaven with you. We thank you that you forgive us and we ask you to help us be more forgiving to others, that we could live up to this challenge from the Apostle Paul We can live up to this challenge from the holy spirit of god that this is how you want us to live may we step up and pursue it and get better at it as we practice in jesus name amen thank you for listening to the victory baptist church sermon podcast if you'd like to know more about victory please visit our website at victoryarizona.org You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.